0: Hey, Pastor, do you ever feel like your pastoral staff is underperforming? Maybe they're missing deadlines. Maybe they're just not getting things done. Uh, Maybe details are slipping through the cracks until it's too late, and then there's nothing you can do about it. Do you just feel like they could be doing more? They could be getting more done? Not that they're bad people. Not that you are unhappy with them. Not that you don't like to hang out with them but you just wish they were getting more done so that you could get more done. If that's you, if that's where you are, and that's where your staff is, then this episode is for you. We're going to talk about what you can do to change that, to shift it, and to make a difference in how they approach their jobs and how they approach their ministries so that you can get more done in your job and in your ministry. So let's get started. So the big question is this, how do pastors like us, who remain focused on the mission of Jesus and serving our communities without being distracted by everything in the world around us, how do we increase our effectiveness while living a lifestyle that doesn't compromise our health, our families, or our personal relationships with Jesus? That's the question this podcast is going to answer. I'm Dr. Brandon Cooper, and welcome to the Ministry Hackers podcast welcome to this episode of the ministry hackers podcast i'm so glad that you are here i'm so glad you're taking a few minutes out of your day to come and to hang out with me it's not something that i take lightly for sure there are lots of podcasts out there there are lots of videos you could be watching there are a lot of people that you could hang out with and you're choosing to take a few moments to hang out with me here at the ministry hackers podcast i'm so thankful for that the reason that we're here and the reason that i do what i do the reason ministry hackers exists is because you pastor have a calling on your life and you deserve the ability to perform that calling, to fulfill that calling, to see that calling all the way through as best as you possibly can. I was thinking a lot about this over the last couple of days about calling your calling, my calling. Uh, what does that mean? How does that look when as pastors, when we get called into ministry? It's a very profound, impactful moment. Now some of us have these very uh, moving moments where uh, where God spoke very clearly to us and and you know, and we will remember it for our whole lives because it was such a meaningful moment that we had with God, where He called us into ministry to serve Him and to give our lives to His uh, vocational ministry that He's calling us to. For others of us, that wasn't the case. I know for me, It was something that I kind of, God revealed to me over time, over a span of about a couple years, God revealed to me step by step what my calling would look like. And part of my calling was to do this, was to serve pastors and to be a part of equipping pastors and ministry leaders so that they could do their ministries at the highest level possible. And I just think that there are too many pastors, and I'm sure you know this, there are too many pastors who are leaving the ministry every day. Not because they're not called anymore. Some of them may say that. But I think ultimately they're leaving the ministry because they're worn out. They're burned out. They're they're struggling too much uh, in ministry. Not that we're not supposed to be selfless and sacrificial and uh, be servant leaders. I'm not saying that. We are supposed to be all those things. But there is a point where... We are moving past that into we are unhealthy and too many pastors are living in unhealthy ways for too long and sacrificing too much, more than God ever intended us to sacrifice. And they're leaving the ministry because of it. And that's what I want to make sure doesn't happen to you. I want to make sure that you are serving a ministry at your highest capacity with love and joy and compassion and enjoying your life while in ministry whether that means spending time with your family whether that means traveling uh, whether that means having a hobby um, whatever that looks like for you i want that whatever god has designed your dream life and ministry to look like i want that for you and so that's why we do uh, these podcasts the blog uh, the ministry hackers daily edition all those things exist to equip you to help you and to come alongside you and support you in your calling to make a difference in this world. So again, I'm so glad you're here with me today and excited to jump into our content. But before we do, are you frustrated with your website? As your church website, is it not really doing a whole lot for you? Or maybe you're sitting here in 2022 and you're saying, I think it's time we get a website. And if that's you, but you've been, you've been hesitant because maybe you're not a web designer, or maybe you're not very tech savvy. Uh, Maybe the whole process is overwhelming to you and and a little intimidating. Well, believe me, I know exactly how that feels. I am not a designer. I am not artistic at all. I have no web design experience. Um, I have no real tech experience. Uh, But about four years ago, I started building websites because our church just, they needed one. They needed a website that was going to perform well, that was going to not only look good, uh, but also work for us, bring people into the church, and and em, engage our community online, so that when they decided what church they wanted to go to, they were familiar with us and they were ready to come. That was my uh, responsibility four years ago, and here I am today. I've built several websites, and I want to show you how you can build a website in thirty days or less if you move faster. But in thirty days, you can. I'll walk you step by step, um, how to build a website. And all you have to do is just download this free cheat sheet. It's the 30-day website cheat sheet. Go to brandonpartycooper.com slash 30-day website, and you can get uh, the cheat sheet right there. You can um, walk step-by-step. It shows you day one, do this. Day two, do this. All the way to day 30. And in 30 days, you'll have a website that doesn't just exist. It doesn't just sit up there in the World Wide Web uh, so that people can stumble across it or find it. But it's actually working for you. It's drawing people in, and it's sending them to your Sunday morning services and bringing people into your faith community week after week after week. And so again, just go to brandonpartycooper.com/slash-30-day-website, and you can get the uh, cheat sheet right there. It's going to walk you step by step. It's free. It's a gift that I want to give to you because a website is huge in 2022 for every church, especially post-pandemic. And if you don't have a website, then it's time to get one. And if you have a website, but it's just there, it doesn't do anything for you, then it's time to get a website that is working for you and making an impact in your community just like you are every Sunday morning when you stand up on that stage or when you uh, reach out to people in your community or spend time with them. Your website should be working just as hard, if not harder, than you are. So again, brandonpartycooper.com slash 30-day website. Get your free cheat sheet and get started today on getting that website up and running okay so we love our staff Uh, for those of us who are lucky enough to have a pastoral staff most of the time we love them we love the people we we've hopefully most of us have hired them um, and so we have hired people that we enjoy working with we enjoy spending time with and for some of us when we have a staff they are some of the closest people that we are with we love to hang out with them outside of ministry outside of the church. We do things together. Um, however, it makes it very hard when these people that we've hired, that we enjoy, that we like hanging out with are just not performing well. They're just not carrying their weight. They're not cutting the mustard, whatever phrase you want to use. They are just not where you need them to be, or in some cases really expected them to be. And why is that? What is happening and what do we need to do to fix that? Well, what I'm going to propose to you today, you may not like it, but it it is 100% the truth as to why your pastoral staff is underperforming. And the reason is, is because they are serving within a productivity culture that does not challenge them to be more productive. Now, one caveat that I want to throw out there. Maybe your staff is performing well and you have one staff member who is not. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about today is we're talking about a pastoral staff team or uh, any team that directly reports to you as the pastor. Any team directly under you that is not performing well as an entirety, as a team, that's what we're talking about. If you have one underperforming member of your team, maybe they need more training, maybe they need uh, a little bit more attention. Or maybe they need uh, a process uh, of, of accountability um, that ends in either the, them becoming more productive and more uh, higher performing or ends in them finding a new place uh, to go and to spend their ministry years um, serving and, and being faithful. Because if you as a lead pastor, if you have somebody on your team who is underperforming, then that just holds the whole team back. If you have an entire team that is underperforming, then it holds the entire church back. And again, going back to calling, if you as the pastor are called to serve this congregation and to lead and to oversee uh, the ministries and everything that's going on, if you have a team that is not carrying their weight with you, then that comes back to you. And that becomes a burden that you carry. It becomes uh, tiresome. In fact, I've met some pastors who will not hire staff members because they say it's actually more work than not having a staff member It's doing the work on their own. And to me, that is completely backwards. If you have a pastoral staff, that should be relieving you of all the work that needs to be done. That should be relieving your time. It should be freeing you up so that you can have time with your family, so that you can have time uh, to connect with people. You can have a hobby, all those things. So that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about a pastoral staff team as a whole that is underperforming. All right. So what can you do to increase the performance of your pastoral staff? There's two things you can do. The first one is to model productivity for them. Model productivity for them. You are the cultural architect of your team's productivity, you are the one. Now, if you don't own that role as the cultural architect and model productivity for them, then it's really hard to expect them to be highly productive. The reality is, is that most of us are hiring pastoral staff members onto our teams who have little to no ministry training. We are pulling them from other areas of society, whether it's from the business world or whether it's from the artistic world or whatever it is. We're pulling them from non-ministry worlds into the ministry world. And ministry is just, it operates a little bit differently. And so we can't expect them to know how to be highly productive in a ministry environment if we don't show them. I've seen a lot of pastors. What we do is is we expect the team, the people that we hire onto our teams, we expect them to know what they should be doing. And the reality is, and what I have learned over and over again is that's not the case. In fact, when you hire somebody onto your team and they know how to approach their ministry, they know how to get things done, they have their own productivity systems already in place, if that's the case, that's rare. The reality is is You're in one of two places. Either you are already highly productive and you know exactly how to get things done um, and you're working ahead and you're planned out and that's all well and good, but you're not modeling that or showing that to your team so they can reproduce that behavior. They're seeing you get things done, but they don't know how you're getting things done. And so they don't know how to follow suit and be like you or you're not being productive And that's setting the example for them. And so they are performing at the level that you are. And I hope you're not like this, but I have seen some senior pastors and some lead pastors and some ministry leaders who they have the mindset that everybody under them should work harder than they do. And everybody under them should be doing more stuff. And their job is just to kind of sit back, manage things, be the foreman and, you know, preach sermons on Sunday. Well, I am of the mindset that I will outwork everybody on my team, not because it's a prideful thing, not because I have to be the hardest worker, but because when I go to one of my team members and I say, hey, we need to increase our performance here. You need to get this done better. You need to be on time. You need to hit the deadlines, whatever. If I'm asking them to do that and they're looking back at me and being like, wait a second, I'm not seeing that from you. Well, then that's hard for me to expect that from them. And so if you're finding yourself in a position where your team is underperforming, you need to ask yourself, how are you modeling productivity for them? Are you productive? First of all, are you being productive? Are you getting things done? Are you hitting your deadlines? Are you planned out at least a month in advance, if not two to three months in advance? Are you performing? Are you being productive at a high level to set that tone for them? And if you are, If you're already doing that, are you showing them the systems and the processes and the steps that you take in order to be productive? Because, again, you can't assume that they know how to do that, especially if you're hiring younger ministry leaders. If you're hiring young pastors who don't have a lot of experience, you don't know what their experience coming in has been. You don't know what was expected of them before. Maybe they had free autonomy and Nobody held them accountable and nobody told them that they were underperforming and they were let go with very little understanding as to why. And so they've come to you and now you're inheriting that same problem. And instead of passing it on to the next church, teach them how to fix it. Help them to be productive on their end. So that's the first step is to model productivity for your team. Because if you do, if you model productivity, one of two things will happen. Your team will respond and fall in line and they will increase their productivity and they will follow suit and they will do a lot more and get a lot more done. And quite honestly, everybody's stress level will go way down because you're getting things done in advance, far in advance, and you're working ahead. Or the second thing that will happen is most of your team will respond and one or two members will not, and it will reveal very quickly to you that they're probably not the best team members to have on your team. Not because you don't like them, not because you don't hang out with them, not because you don't go golfing or go to movies or whatever it is you do, not because you don't like hanging out with them, but because they're not performing at a level that is worthy of the stewardship of the salary they've been given and the authority and leadership that you have bestowed upon them as a member of that pastoral staff. And so model productivity for them so they will know what you're expecting and they will follow suit. The second thing that you can do, you need to do, if your team is underperforming, the second thing you need to do is foster collaboration among your team members. Sometimes underperformance is tied to a lack of trust. When everybody is siloed in their ministries and everybody's responsible for their ministry, the youth pastor does his thing and the kids pastor does her thing and the executive pastor does her thing and the lead pastor does his thing and, you know, the worship pastor is doing her thing and everybody's doing their own thing and there's no collaboration among the team well then trust starts to deteriorate and when trust deteriorates and everybody gets they get uh, very territorial and they refuse to work together and they hoard funds and they hoard volunteers and it becomes a very uh, slow moving team And so if you, as the lead pastor, are fostering collaboration, if you are creating an environment where they want to work together, where they enjoy working together, then what will happen is the trust levels will start to increase. Trust level increases, sharing increases, uh, affinity towards one another increases, and what will happen is productivity will go up. They will get more done because they're outside of their silos. They will get more done because they like to give and take from each other. More will get done because they believe in the team concept of ministry, not in the individual siloed concept of ministry. And this gets harder as your churches get bigger. So if you're leading a church of 500 plus or especially 1,000 plus, silos become the natural uh, tendency. And so you as the lead pastor need to fight that by creating opportunities for collaboration, creating projects where they're working together. Uh, creating um, opportunities for them to come alongside each other and and, and and work together. And not only collaboration with each other, but collaboration with you. If there is a detachment, if there's a gap between you and the team, they become a team and you just become an entity outside of that. You need to be a part of that team. You need to be in there with them. And you foster collaboration with your team, you and your team together by Uh, investing in them, investing in their development, investing in their uh, growth and their understanding of ministry, uh, their personal lives. You uh, foster collaboration by sitting down with them one-on-one and asking them questions, what they're struggling with, what they're doing well in, asking them about what they need from you, uh, what resources do they need, things like that. That's how you foster collaboration with your team to you is you create these relational building moments that increase trust. And when you do that, then their productivity goes up, partially because they're less stressed, partially because they're not fighting these silos, and partially because they're loyal, more loyal to you than they are than they were before. Loyalty creates this want, this desire in staff members to perform higher. I know for me, I have served with some pastors who they serve me so well that even to this day, years after I've been off of their teams, still to this day, I would answer the call if they ever needed something. I have that much loyalty loyalty to them. However, at the same time I've served on some staff teams, I've served served some pastor pastors who um who did not foster that loyalty to me. Um and you know, even though I may help them in a time of need, uh, there is not this loyalty and this desire to go and and be there for them when they need me. Um, it's a lot harder, and and there's a lot more struggle. And when I was on their team, it was a lot a lot harder to, to get the team moving because they didn't foster loyalty and and affinity towards them. They were kind of tyrants and uh, demanded things, and and the whole team was just kind of burned out and broken down. And so. Um, And so when you spend time serving your team and fostering that collaboration, trust goes up and then ultimately performance goes up. And so the hard part is, is if your team is underperforming, then at the end of the day, it comes down to you. It comes down to the, the culture that you've created, the culture of productivity within your team and your own performance. When you own your role as the cultural architect of your productivity culture, when you do that, then your team members will either respond or rev- or will reveal themselves to not be uh, team members that are in cohesion with the rest of the team. And so, um, so again, the hard part with ministry and the hard part with leadership is if you're the leader, if you're the pastor, it always comes down to you and what you do. And that's partially, again, why we do this here at Ministry Hackers because we want to equip you to answer these problems and answer these challenges and help you Uh, develop your team, develop you into a place where you are performing high-level ministry, reaching people, engaging people, uh, advancing the kingdom, building ministries that are changing lives. That's the goal. And so again, if you want to increase the productivity and the performance of your team, it comes down to two things, modeling that productivity and fostering collaboration among your team. All right, I hope you have a wonderful day. Again, if you want that 30-day cheat sheet, For your website, have it up in 30 days. Go to brandonpartycooper.com slash 30-day website. Get your free cheat sheet. Get started today. And in 30 days, you'll have a website up and running, performing just like you. All right. Hope you have a wonderful day. And I will see you in the next episode.